You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everyone. I love our summer series, Look Who's Talking. And if, you, um, have, if you're on our email list, the email that you received this morning said, this is the one that made us look, I think was the title of the email. This is the one that made us look. Is that right? I love that. Yeah. So it's this particular parable that we find in Luke's gospel that sparked the whole idea of this summer series. So it is the one that, that made us look. So the Lord's Prayer, as it is often called, uh, or the Our Father, only appears in Matthew's Gospel and Luke's. And if you might have noticed, that's kind of an abbreviated form uh, that Zach just read to us. That's how Luke tells the prayer. But then Luke also tells this parable afterwards that, again, is kind of unique to Luke. It's the parable about a guy, a, um, a guest shows up at his friend's house, kind of unannounced, unexpected, and um, the, he, the host has no bread to share. And so he goes to his neighbor's house and knocks on the door, and, and there's you know, you, you heard it, you know, there's kind of a tiff of sorts. The neighbor doesn't want to get up or, or to unlock the door. He says his kids are in bed and all those things. But the, the, the friend is persistent uh, until he gets bread and is able to share it with his guest. Now, um, when, I, when I lived in Sheffield in England, um, I was at the university and the department that I was in, biblical studies, was in the arts building which was a building about 22 stories, I think, or 25, I don't know. It was a tall building. And there was only two elevators, or as they called them, lifts. There were only two lifts in the building. And so um, you can imagine, it could take a long time to kind of get up to the department. They did have an alternative form of moving up and down the building, and it was like a, a human-sized uh, dumbwaiter. Uh, is, that, is that the word I'm looking for, dumbwaiter? Yeah, so up to three people could fit into it, and you would just have to step on as it came up. It constantly moved. There were no doors on any of the floors. It's just that when, it, when the, you saw the floor coming up, and maybe there were people in there, maybe not, and when they stepped out, you'd step in, and then you'd just keep on riding it up. Um, they called it the paternoster, which is Latin for our father. <laughs> I thought, you know, you had, to, you had to pray it before you got on there. You were like, oh, Father, <laughs> you know, here I go. But believe it or not, it was a lot faster than the elevator. And uh, I rode it all the time, you know, because who wants to go up, you know, 11 flights of stairs? Not me. So, yeah, that was, that was the Our Father. So a couple of, a couple of uh, initial observations about the Lord's Prayer. The first is this. It is impossible to pray the Lord's Prayer in the first person singular. Now you might pray a prayer in the first person singular, talking to God about you or yourself or asking God for you or things for you or yourself, but that's not the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus' disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, he taught them, he taught them this, right? Our Father, not my Father. Now it's addressed in the second person singular, right? It's about your name and your kingdom and your will. But everything else is always in the, is in the first person plural. It's our Father. 
It's uh, give us today our daily bread. It's forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. So you can't actually pray the Lord's Prayer unless you're praying it in the first person plural. And that's important. It's important because our prayers are not just for ourselves. Christian prayer is at its heart for others. It's inclusive. And that, that's an important part of it. And as such, those, the, you know, the first half of the prayer uh, seems to be directed towards God. You know, it's, you know, may your name be sanctified and may your kingdom come and may your will be done as in heaven also upon the earth. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? So we typically think that God's in control and God's will is always happening. But the way the prayer suggests reality is, is that God's name is being sanctified in heaven. God's uh, kingdom is being realized in heaven. God's will is being accomplished. It is happening in heaven. And our prayer is that that would happen on earth as it is in heaven. And the reason we're having to pray for that is because there are real ways in which God's name is not being hallowed on planet earth. That doesn't take a lot of imagination, I hope. You, you can realize that God's name is not always sanctified on planet earth, right? You know, just go to any kind of pickup basketball game and hear somebody get fouled real hard and they scream out Jesus Christ. They're not saying a prayer, right? Uh, there's a story of a little boy kind of um, being taught for the first time the story of, of Christianity. And when he found out that the name of the main character is, is Jesus Christ, he was confused. He's like, why in the world would his mother name him a swear word? So... We can all agree that God's name is not always sanctified or hallowed on planet Earth. But we pray for it. Let your name be sanctified. Let it be hallowed on Earth as it is in heaven. I think the same would be said of God's kingdom and of God's will. There are, there are ways, real ways, in which God's kingdom is not yet realized on the planet. And there are very real ways, real ways in which God's will is not yet being realized on the planet. Like when you see people starving, when you see people hurting, when you see damage being done, either you know, to people or whether it's disease or whether it's trauma or whether it's disaster or whether it's abuse, if you think that's God's will, we need to have a talk, right? That's not God's will. That's not God's will for our lives. So Jesus teaches us to pray. Let your name be hallowed. Let it be sanctified. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that it's an, theologically we would call this an eschatological prayer. It is a prayer of hope. A prayer of expectation that things will become better than what they are now when God's kingdom comes and that is realized on the earth. The second half of the prayer, I think I've often thought about it in terms of like petitions, right? We're asking God for something. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, our trespasses, our debts as we forgive our trespassers. Lead us not into temptation. But if we, if we think, if we put an accent on the first person plural, right? The, the us and the our in that second half of the prayer, 
what you start to realize is that this is not just simply petitions. This is intercessions. Because I'm not just praying for myself. I'm praying for my community. I'm praying for the body of Christ. And intercession is the way in which we come in line with God. Our wills become aligned with God's wills as we intercede. Uh, Clark Pinnock, one of my favorite theologians, a Baptist guy, said that the future belongs to the intercessors because it's the intercessors who, are, who have um, heard the voice of God and are filled with the Spirit of God. And I believe that. But this parable, it's an interesting one, right? Because in the parable, um, someone comes and has to knock. In fact, we might uh, title this parable, The Persistent Friend. And I, I want us to actually show you, kind of in 3D, what this would look like, right? And I have some friends that are going to come to the stage, and we're going to reenact what I imagine um, Jesus did as his disciples taught him to pray, and he's like, all right, fellas, uh, Peter, James, John, come here for a minute. I want you to role play uh, for me. And uh, it went... Um, I have, I, have, I have good um, a source that it went something like this. Kevin and Dennis lived next door to each other. Hey, neighbor. Hey there. One night, Kevin received an unexpected guest who had traveled a long way to see him. Hey, Kevin. I hope you don't mind it. I totally didn't let you know I was coming. Well... There were no cell phones in the ancient world, so Alvin could not, in fact, have let Kevin know he was coming. Alvin, I haven't seen you in so long, man. How are you doing? Listen, um, I know texting's not going to be around for a couple hundred years, so it's totally fine. But, bro, come in, come in. You must be hungry, right? Alvin was indeed hungry, but there was a problem. Kevin, living his best bachelor life, forgot to go grocery shopping and had no food to offer his guest. As neighbors typically do, Kevin thought he'd reach out to Dennis for help. Dennis made the best bread in town and always had more than enough to share. I'll be right back. I'm, I'm going to get, get food. <laughs> um, Dennis! Um, uh, Dennis, um, I, I have a little, little need. I have a friend who, um, who came over and I, I really need your help. I need some bread. Oh, did I mention it was the middle of the night? Dennis was less than thrilled. Dude, it's late. Go home. Dennis, I, I can't go home. I have a friend who's in need. I really got to help him out. Please, just, just help me out. Look, I'm already in bed. The door is locked. Just come back in the morning. Oof, Dennis is a tough one. He was totally hanging Kevin out to dry. This went on for a while. And even though Dennis continued to refuse, Kevin insisted. Dennis, please! I need help! Just give me some bread, please, man! No. Dennis, are you serious right now? I need your help. Just, just a little bit of bread. I'll show you what serious is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay, that got intense. You have to hand it to Kevin. He's persistent. And Dennis knew it. There was no way he was going to get any sleep with Kevin at his door. So, Dennis did what he knew was right and chose to respond to Kevin. All right, Kevin. All right, Jerry. I'm coming. I'm coming. Oh, yes. Come on. There you go. 
goodness, thank you. You're such a good friend. Yay! <laughs> oh, Kevin, it is you that is the good friend. Way to be persistent. Wow. Dennis really does make the best bread. Listen, Dennis is a great person. Hopefully we can get some uh, bread in the morning time. <laughs> All right, so by show of hands, how many of you have heard that parable and have thought that the one who is knocking represented me or you, the prayer, right? Like the one in the house, that must be God, and we have to knock, uh, representing our asking for God. You know, because later, Luke says something similar to Matthew about asking and seeking and knocking, and those who find, you know, those who seek will find, and those who knock, the door will be open. Those who ask, it will be given to them. And so in that, in that story, if it's read that way, if it's interpreted that way, God turns out to be somewhat reluctant to do what's right. Isn't that interesting? Like, like, God has resources, but God likes to hold on to them and wait. Like, mm, are you really sincere? Like, yes, I want you to heal my mom. Come on, it's late. <laughs> like, in, a, in an ancient culture with, with honor and shame, it is very unlikely that any of the first hearers or the first readers of Luke's gospel or the first hearers of this parable would have thought the guy in bed represented God. Like, that's a foil. That's like an, an unrealistic caricature of the worst possible person in the community. Like, who would not share bread with a friend who was in need? I mean, let's think about that for a minute. If anybody you knew had bread, and their friend came to the door and said, hey, man, I, I'm in need. I need bread. I got a friend who's shown up, and uh, I, I need to share some with them. And the person who had the bread said, mm, try again later. What would we think of that person? Awful, right? Worst possible person. It's like that's how we, I think, think about God, that God's kind of a grumpy old man. That God um, is not all that committed to sharing good things with us. And, in, and when we read the parable that way, it kind of reinforces that. That God is out to get you. Kind of a Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Like, you better watch out because here comes God. And if God catches you, he's going to kill you. <laughs> Ugh. Nasty, right? So the question is, if that's not the best interpretation of the parable, what would a better interpretation of the parable look like? Well, let's imagine Kevin's role is not me, but God. And let's imagine Dennis's role is not God, but me. It would look something like this. Kevin and Dennis lived next door to each other. Hey, neighbor. Hey, man. One night, Kevin received an unexpected guest who had traveled a long way to see him. Hey, Kevin. I hope it's okay. I, I totally did not let you know I was coming. Well, there were no cell phones in the ancient world, so Alvin could not, in fact, have let Kevin know he was coming. 
Alvin, bro, it's so good to see you, man. Listen, don't worry about calling or texting. It's not going to be around for a couple hundred years. But, bro, you must be hungry. Come on in. Alvin was indeed hungry, but there was a problem. Kevin, living his best bachelor life, forgot to go grocery shopping, and he had no food to offer his guest. As neighbors typically do, Kevin thought he'd reach out to Dennis for help. Dennis made the best bread in town and always had more than enough to share. Hey, um, I'll be right back. I'm gonna go talk to somebody. Dennis! Hey, uh, uh, Dennis, um, it's, it's, it's Kevin. Um, can you help me out a little bit? I'm in need of some, uh, some food, please, man. Uh, Kevin, it's late. Go home. Um, Dennis, I, 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 need, I need food, bro. Please, can you just like open up? Like, I, I can't go home. There's, there's someone in need. Listen, I'm already in bed. The doors are locked. Just come back in the morning. Oof, Dennis is a tough one. He was totally hanging Kevin out to dry. This went on for a while, and even though Dennis continued to refuse, Kevin insisted. Dennis, please, help me! I need to help my friend, I can't go home. Nope. Dennis, are you serious right now? Please, just help me! I'll show you what's serious right whoa, now. Whoa, 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 that got intense. You'll have to hand it to Kevin, he's persistent, and Dennis knew it. There was no way he was going to get any sleep with Kevin at his door, so Dennis did what he knew was right and chose to respond to Kevin. Okay, Kevin, I'm coming. I'm coming. There you go. Dennis, thank you! You're such a great friend! <laughs> yes! Oh, Kevin, it is you that is the good friend. Way to be persistent. Wow, Dennis really does make the best bread. Man, listen, he really does, and hopefully we can get some more, but um, let's wait until the morning time. <laughs> All right, so maybe that strikes you as a little strange, but I want you to think about this. Think about God as being the persistent friend. That it's God who comes to the very doors of our heart and knocks on it. And God doesn't give up, ever. God just keeps on knocking, wanting us to get out of bed and unlock the door and be involved. So we pray in the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread. But how does our bread come to us? Does our bread just kind of appear in the cupboard, like miraculously? Or, or it doesn't involve people in the process? Let me ask you this. Have any of you ever prayed for something and had someone, someone you knew or maybe someone you didn't know, share with you some of their resources, and you thought, wow, the Lord has answered my prayer through someone else. Can you, anybody testify to that? Or perhaps, right, perhaps you felt moved on by God to share some of your resources, and in the process, you became the answer to prayer for someone else. This is how the kingdom works. The economy of God's kingdom is that there is an abundance, right? Christ came to give us life and life more abundantly. The more abundance that he came to give us, though, is already here among us. All we have to do is share it. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
There's enough forgiveness to go around. But we just, one of the ways that forgiveness gets into the economy of exchange is when we become forgivers. Like, this is, this is something that we have to participate in. And this is something I think this parable is teaching us, right? This parable shows us how persistent our God is and how that can change us. So we often, too often, I think, too often, we think of prayer as something that might change God. Listen, if, if our prayers could change God, that would be horrible because we don't know what to pray for. Right? If we think that when our prayer, when we pray, we're somehow changing God, what do we think God is? Who do we think God is? Like when we pray and say, when we ask God to do something, it's not, it's not that we think God didn't have that idea. Like God's just sitting up there, you know, he's probably crocheting or reading a good book or, you know, watching something on Netflix and and then we, we just ring them up and say, hey, God, I don't know if you know this, but there's this couple in my church that are really kind of hard up, you know. One of them lost their job and, you know, their, their kid's living with somebody else. And, and maybe you could help them. And God's like, what a great idea. <laughs> well, let me just put this magazine down and I'll just get up and get to that. That's not our God. Our God doesn't need our ideas, right? C.S. Lewis when he was praying for his wife to be healed of cancer, um, he had a colleague who was kind of badgering him and kind of said, um, when you pray, what do you think you're doing, right? You're going to kind of change God? And Lewis said, no, I don't pray to change God. I pray so that God might change me. So it's in our prayers that we become aligned with who God is. We start to participate with what God is doing. It's like God is already in the kitchen making dinner and he invites us into the kitchen with him to participate in the reality of that coming into existence. So much so that Jesus taught us to pray. Let your name be sanctified. Let your kingdom come. Let your will happen as in heaven also upon earth. And so we get to Again, um, participate. We get to be active members of this community. And, unless I'm mistaken, in the process of that, we become like God. We become persistent friends, right? We too are, are persistent. And we too are friends. And we too will do good things, which I think is exactly what Jesus, kind of how he ends this, right? He is talking about God providing something, ultimately the Spirit, right? He says in, in Luke's version of the story, it's the Spirit that is given at, at the end of the story. But the way in which the Spirit is even given, I think is, is it is shared kind of through others. Because you see, God doesn't have hands. I mean, we talk about the hand of God. That's a metaphor, right? We talk about God sitting on the throne. That is also a metaphor, right? God's hands, God's feet, God's body is none other than the body of Christ. The body of Christ of which we are all members. 
And that reality gets um, practiced, gets manifested, gets realized in our communities, in our families, in our homes, in our churches, when we finally respond to God, when we open the door, when we share of ourselves and of our resources. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.